for half a century, WJPZ Syracuse has been the greatest media classroom on the planet. We've trained students from the 1970s to the 2020s on how to run a professional radio station. But the lessons learned and relationships formed go far beyond studios and transmitters. Taking a look back through the eyes of those who experienced it. This is WJPZ at 50. Welcome to WJPZ at 50. I am John Jagay, joined today by Z100's own Allie Gold, Digital Content Manager for Elvis Duran in the Morning Show and Z100, General Manager, Class of 2015. Anything else I forgot? Welcome, Allie. (laughs) Thank you for having me. We're recording this full disclosure at 4 p.m. Eastern after you've been up and done the morning show all day and you got the mid-afternoon nap and you were telling me offline? Yes, and now I have my like tired, have been working all day voice. You are fine. Don't worry about it. We're happy to have you. We'll start at the beginning. Tell us about growing up and how you got to Syracuse and JPZ and what you did there. Yeah, so I grew up on Long Island, a loyal listener of WBLI and Z100 a little bit. But where I'm from, the audio would like cut in and out for Z100. I was like a little too far out on Long Island. So BLI was definitely my home station. And I used to listen to Dana and Jeffrey in the morning. And I just like loved them. Like we would pull up to the bus stop when I was going uh, to middle school. And I would literally like pray the bus wouldn't get there before the entertainment report was over. Because I like had (laughs) to get my like celebrity gossip for the day. It's like the only way I really like consumed celebrity culture. So I always knew I was into radio. Definitely always was inspired by it. I used to come home in the afternoon, then put on BLI.com and listen to BLI on my computer while I did work, like while I did my homework. Yeah. So definitely always obsessed. I think the only music I knew were songs that were popular on the radio. So I was, wasn't even like a fan of an artist. I was just a fan of popular CHR music. So it's funny because as we go through this and we're talking to alumni from all different decades and all different generations, one of the through lines is, and Scotty McFarland said this in the documentary, Everybody is the same person, just a different age. And you growing up listening to the radio, I think some folks would be afraid that somebody who graduated more recently may not have grown up on the radio like so many of the rest of us did. But you're right there with us. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I was nonstop. I, it really was my only like way into music. Like I had my Walkman, but I would listen to the same song over and over again. <laughs> or like once I graduated to an iPod, I would listen to like the same five songs over and over again. <laughs> now I've become way more interested in like artists and artist journeys. And I think that has a lot to do with interviewing them over the past six years. But before that, it was really just what was popular. Okay, so how did you end up at Syracuse and then JPZ? When I graduated high school or like my senior year, I kind of wanted to try broadcasting in television. So even though I always liked radio, I still, you know, watched the Be That Girl on TV delivering e-news at like 10 p.m. And so when I visited schools, I always wanted to make sure they either had a TV or a radio station. Mm-hmm. And when I got to Syracuse, it was the day of a basketball game. It was like zero degrees out. But <laughs> the energy on that campus was just like, something I had never experienced before. And I was sitting in Fagans with my mom and the game let out from the dome and they're just like orange in the streets. And I was just so inspired. And I had a family friend at the school who had friends at Citrus and they brought me over and I watched a sports broadcast for after the game. And that was like just super inspiring. So when I went to apply, I knew I was going to apply early decision to Syracuse and I did. 
Awesome. And you get in and you're thinking maybe TV. And then how did JPZ come into the picture? Yeah. So I went to accepted students day with my parents. And that's where you like go to the dome in like April before your freshman year. And I'm in the dome and I'm going around to all the booths. And Craig Hoffman was actually running the JPZ booth in the center. And they were like live broadcasting throughout the accepted students day. Okay. So me and my family went over to them. We started talking about radio. It turned out Craig's aunt grew up in the same town as my dad and knew huh. him. And like, he was like, oh, you got to come back to the radio station with us. Like, I want to show you around. So we went back with him to JPZ. I think I watched a red carpet report um, happening or one of the shows on air. And I got his information. And when I got back to Syracuse in the fall, you know, he was one of the first people I hit up. So what was your involvement at the station from walking the door to working your way up to general manager? So when I got to my training session, first of all, I almost didn't make it to them. I kept avoiding Craig at all costs. I was like, kind of just like, oh, maybe I'll just figure my way my first semester and join things second semester. But he insisted I come the last training session that they had for the entire year. So I went and there I met Jeff Cuchnell and... Rashad Thomas was actually the one who did my training. Mm -hmm. I did my on-air portion. And afterwards, Jeff Cuchinell asked me to be on a morning show with him. And I think like less than two weeks later, I was waking up doing a Z morning zoo with Jeff Cuchinell. So this is fall or spring of your freshman year? Fall of my freshman year. Okay, wow. So like within two weeks, I was already like on a zoo and being a co-host to Jeff Cuchinell and Luke Walsh. And mm -hmm. we were, I think, Thursday mornings and... Yeah, it was a blast. And a sign of things to come for your career as to where you'd end up now. Yeah, I mean, my career, a lot of it is to thank for Jeff Cuchinell, one, for getting me on the air at JPZ, and he actually helped me get my foot in the door at Z100. So, How did that story go? Um, when I graduated, I knew I wanted to do something in radio. I had applied for a bunch of jobs, was getting interviews through other alum at JPZ, but nothing really panning out. And after like five months working in TV analytics, I reached out to Jeff and like one other person I knew that worked in radio and said, hey, I'm missing radio. I want to go back. Like I've only been at this job five months, but if you hear of anything, just like let me know. I'm not going to put out like resumes yet, but I'm just putting out like feelers. Sure. And um, immediately Jeff was like, this job that he had talked about earlier um, when I graduated was going to actually be officially opened up and for me to apply. So I applied and I was at that new job in a matter of a couple of weeks, which was a digital content coordinator for Z100 and KTU of New York. So that is just gathering content for a website and social or what is that, that role? Yeah, it was running their social media accounts and writing editorial content. That's pretty impressive to be just out of school and trusted with a brand, two brands like that with Z100 and KTU. When I was offered the job, my boss, who still is my boss at the time, uh, Tony Malay, he said, are you ready to be the online voice of Z100? Wow. It felt like a dream come true. It honestly did. It's WJPZ at 50. Hey, it's Jag. You're probably listening to this episode of the podcast because you know the person I'm interviewing. But one of the true joys of this project has been learning the stories of everyone in the WJPZ family. When you're done with this podcast, I'd encourage you to check out an episode with someone you don't know. You never know what you might have in common with your other WJPZ relatives. Looking back at half a century of broadcast excellence, 
This is WJPZ at 50. What stuff sticks out to you from your memory alley about your time at JPZ, whether it was significant moments in the history of the station or just significant things that you remember as you worked your way up, you know, starting on the morning show and eventually becoming general manager? That morning show was everything to me. I think starting there is when I realized that everyone can become a character. When I was working with Jeff Kuchnell and this other guy, Luke Walsh, we had a sports guy coming in doing a sports update like twice a show Mm -hmm. he would come in and like he wouldn't say much he'd do a sports update he'd kind of sit in the background and then one time we were talking about thanksgiving food and we were talking about like what we would want in our thanksgiving dinner we were kind of doing like a food draft like who was gonna have mashed potatoes who's gonna have turkey and then all of a sudden this quiet guy like (laughs) gets up from his chair and he goes, what about stuffing? Can't forget about stuffing. And he had the hottest take on stuffing at Thanksgiving. And this is Lucas Vivali, who ended up becoming one of my best friends at the station at the time. It just made me realize that you could bring in anyone and create a show. And I think that's a lot of what I've learned from Elvis Duran as well, working for him. He's someone who looks at the people around him and he picks up on their stories. And the show is really made up of the characters around him. And that was something I learned in my first couple of months, like working for the zoo. And it's one of my fondest memories. And we laugh about it to this day. Again, you keep drawing these parallels between JPZ and Z100 and how you learn so much and experience so much at Z89 that mirror your experience now at arguably the biggest radio station in the country. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your time as becoming GM and what that experience was like as you stepped into a leadership role at the station. Yeah, I always felt that I wanted to become general manager of JPZ. I had started as a, I think, a research per, or office manager, which was like the person who like took care of stuff around the studio. And then I went into becoming a zoo producer, went from being a zoo producer. And then I went abroad and I just thought it like wasn't going to happen. I thought just the timing was off. So I just like didn't think it was in the cards. And then I got a call from Corey Crockett, who was the GM at the time, saying that no one was really interested in being the GM. And he asked me to apply. I was like, are you sure? Our programming director at the time I really thought was just going to become GM. But Corey was like, no, like, please apply. We want people to apply for the position. So I applied. I did all the interviews and stuff, I think from Florence, where I was staying at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then I was actually at the moment debating staying another semester and doing a full year abroad because I just was really having a great experience. And I told myself if I got the position at JPZ, I would take it as a sign and go back to Syracuse. And I ended up getting the job and and flying home and never looked back. (laughs) Made radio my entire life, so. You picked WJPZ over a second semester in Italy. I mean, that says a lot. I did. I just, I'm always, I'm a huge believer in signs. And one of them, like meeting Craig on Accepted Students Day, that felt like a sign. And this also it really did feel like, okay, like this is what I meant to do. Like I was debating things like what I want to do with my life. I was debating teaching, which I was doing in Italy. I was teaching English to Italian students or radio. And I thought if I'm going to even try to do radio, I need to get hands-on experience being a general manager. And I definitely got that when I got back. (laughs) We'll expand on that a little bit, Allie. So 
your experience as GM, what did you learn about, you know, culture and managing people and all that? And how has it served you today? Right before I took on a general manager, we had just finished renovating the studio. So for a semester and maybe a semester and a half, we were working out of new house uh, offices. So there was no real like community at JPZ at the time. You really only knew the people that came in before you or after you or the people on your ship. Oh, wow. So when I got back, I told them that really what I wanted to do was bring everyone together again. We had this brand new studio and I knew that everyone just felt so separated from each other. I didn't know anyone in the years below me. I only knew the people my age and above. And I was coming in as a junior for GM. So I just wanted to bring back that that feeling that you get every banquet where everyone's walking in and saying hello to each other. And I wanted to get that feeling back in the station. So when I got back, uh, my first duty was going to like a bulk candy shop and I put out these jars of candy (laughs) just to get people to like sit down in the newsroom that we had. Like, I just wanted people to hang out there. So I just bought a bunch of candy. And then I set up the Watson Cup, which was like this kickball game between us and Citrus. Mm -hmm. And that's something they still do to this day at the end of uh, every year. So that is definitely one of the legacies I'm most proud of. But it really was meant to bring people together to like, have a common enemy against citrus and also just like team <laughs> building. Like we joked around, we had practices, like things like that. I also created Halloween, which is like this big Halloween party that we started doing every year after that. And yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was to bring people together. And at the end of my first semester as GM, I had senior guys in the sports department coming out to me saying this was the best semester they've ever had at WJPZ. And I, I knew it was because of like, me just wanting them to hang out with everyone else at the station. It's just come up so much in the podcast alley of like finding your tribe and how many of us found our tribe at JPZ where we may not have had that natural fit elsewhere at SU, but finding that group. And so that was what, 2013-ish when you moved back into the new studio and you had to sort of rebuild the social fabric from scratch. Yeah, yeah, 2013, yeah. So you end up becoming GM. You have a great experience at JPZ. You end up going on to work at Z100 and now in the role as the digital content manager for Z100 and for Elvis Duran. Let me ask you what your perspective on the world of radio is. I'm going to put you on the spot, given (laughs) that you are in one of the biggest brands, again, if not the biggest, in radio, nationally syndicated show all over the country, hugely successful and you're running social media, I'm curious for your thoughts on where radio is, where it intersects with social media and the digital piece of it, just from where you sit. I think in general, content is forever changing. I think there is no right recipe, but some of the things, especially post-pandemic, that I think we've learned is people just miss feeling good and people miss their college days, miss, miss the nostalgia of being with friends and being in social settings. And that's definitely like where radio is going right now. We are playing more throwbacks, even on a CHR station. We want people to feel good. Mm. We don't want to bring negativity into their morning. And I think just like invoking that feel good emotion in people is something that was always there, but I think even more important now. And that's definitely a trend I'm seeing in just modern radio in general. Again, it goes back to finding your tribe and that feeling and that connection that radio does so well that we all learned at JPZ. Mm-hmm. 
Any uh, funny stories, interactions with folks at the station that come to mind that if you see somebody at banquet and you're like, oh my God, remember the time when <laughs> blank? Well, anytime I'm with my friend JP Chunga, he does uh, radio out in Salt Lake City now. Mm-hmm. And anytime I'm with him, we joke about this show that was on air. It was called Bleacher Creatures. And it was supposed to be a sports show, but it ended up just being like, People just like ragging on the randomest sports and they would bring me on to do funny sports trivia like when I don't know anything about sports. And every like 10 minutes or so, JP would ring a bell and give a random sports update from like volleyball in like Nova Scotia. Like and it was just the funniest (laughs) thing. And it was this like Thursday night show. And like I was the GM at the time. So, like, you would think I would go in there and be like, guys, be serious. But, like, honestly, the content was so funny and made everyone in the room laugh so hard. Like, there was just nothing better. And it was one of my favorite shows that we ever put on. And honestly, like, it made me interested in sports. (laughs) And then it did its job. Exactly. Are there alumni, you've talked about a lot of your classmates that have had a big influence on you. Are there other alumni, folks you've met through the Alumni Association that have had an impact on you personally, professionally? Yeah, so my senior year at fall conference, when I was still GM, I met Maynard. Mm -hmm. And I met him and just we immediately clicked. And he definitely has been someone that's just been a real inspiration to me and has really like helped in my career with advice and someone who knows a lot of people who work at iHeart and at Z100. So we're just able to bond over that. But also, like, I'm still really close with Jeff Kirchin. I went to his wedding in April. I'm going to my friend Jeff Cuccinell's wedding this summer. And then, yeah, a couple of the younger alum, when I was a senior GM and I was doing, like, the recruitment into the station for the fall, something that was really important to me was bringing more women in. I was really one of only handful of girls in my class. I actually don't even think any of them were on staff with me. And so I really want to bring in new females to the station. And after that, we had like a couple girl GMs and Kat Brady, who has been like one of my best friends still to this day. Um, My friend Gigi, who became our social media manager and has worked at Peacock since and like all these other great things I've kept in really good touch with. So yeah, we kind of just like did a girl takeover from then on out. And it was awesome. Allie, any closing thoughts in general about your experience at WJPZ? One of the things I learned at JPZ was that if you don't know what you're doing, ask someone. Okay. Especially like you think like students, okay, none of us know anything, but together us not knowing something, we're able to come up with anything. So I think that definitely taught me to be more vulnerable in my career. And yes, at this point, hopefully I know a lot of stuff, but I'm always learning, especially working in digital content. I always have to stay up to date and, you know, learn from what's going on around me and talk to people. What's their experience? What are they seeing on their social media? Like, how can I relate that back to our station? So, you know, never stop learning and never stop never give up on the people around you to help you learn something. And that theme of learning fits great with the world's greatest media classroom. I think we'll leave it there. Allie Gold, thank you so much for your time today. Hope to see you in March. Yes, thank you. I'll see you there. 
The WJPZ at 50 podcast is created entirely by the staff and alumni of the world's greatest media classroom. It's hosted by John Jag Gay, class of 2002. Editing help from James Bames Grundy III, class of 2020. Imaging by Maureen Cooper, class of 1999. And Ed Lacombe, class of 1985. Podcast artwork by Marty Dundix, class of 2001. Follow WJPZ at 50 on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you're listening right now.